0: Welcome to YB Voices. For this Asia Pacific series, in our eighth episode, Crisis and Collaboration Part Two, we've brought together educators from Australasia to discuss the importance of using collaboration and collaborative planning techniques to support the effective transition back to school. I'm your host, Steve Wishart, IBWS Manager for Australasia. Joining me on part two of this episode is Kathy Seville, Melanie Woodland Melissa Fitzgerald what were some of the key connections that you had that not only supported collaboration but supported well-being throughout the whole process so when your teachers were delivering online what were those key connections that they had that would support not only, you know, the development of units of work, but their well-being?
1: For me, it's about celebrating achievements, the small things, valuing what people are doing, taking the time to phone somebody and say, hey, well done, taking the time to send an email. Those small gestures, I think, went and continue to go a long way to making people feel that They've got this even when they may be at the bottom of the pit for a while. So I think that's really critical and particularly also as we're starting to come back to that euphoria of the first few days I think is going to be quickly replaced by, a okay, I'm actually exhausted here and yeah. I've got reports to write and I've got children whom I can't quite get the measure of yet. What does that mean for me? So I think it's the little things, it's the little gestures that are really important in keeping everybody together. So if you like, the glue that binds.
0: Melissa?
2: Kind of keeping to what we know, keeping those connections to how we teach in the classroom. I think um, everyone feels comfortable with what they know. And I guess it was keeping going what we're already currently doing, our instructional model, how we teach, how we're um, personalising our learning, but then looking at how that looks in a remote learning platform. And I think that keeps teachers at ease because they're still doing what they know well, it just looks a little different. So trying to look at um, what we can continue doing and um, I think that kind of supports teacher wellbeing. I think um, what really helped our teachers and our students in particular were the teacher-student connections. So, having live morning meets with students and their, you know, the teachers and their classes, I think that um, really supported connections between teachers and students because not all the learning could be live, but that allowed for that morning meet for teachers to feel connected to their students and feel a little bit more confident about it all, but just touching base with their students through those morning meets and through those focus groups. The other part is that parent connection to continuing to communicate with parents about how their child's going and then looking at how our online platform would support that how we provide feedback we did send out a survey a few weeks back to parents just to kind of get some feedback from them and just not only to support what we're doing but to support the well-being of the students so we just sent out a Google form with just three simple questions of what you think is working well, what's challenging for you, which um, for parents, there's quite a few challenges that they had, yeah. particularly if they're working and homeschooling and they've got toddlers running around. And that was even you know, the case for a lot of our teachers as well, um, even sitting in on some of the collaborative planning meetings. And I, I really felt for teachers, but we didn't <laughs> worry. But when one of their toddlers was jumping on their head or, or whacking them in the head with a toilet roll or something like that, But I guess for our parent connection was just getting the feedback of, yeah, what was working well, what's challenging and perhaps any suggestions you have. And so we got that feedback and we looked at the suggestions that we had. So through our collaborative planning, we were tweaking some of the things that they had suggested. And a lot of it for the students was they were missing their social connections. So looking at ways that we can open up meets where it's just got a social focus that even if the teacher's sitting to the side, they're still monitoring, but it's allowing students to come in and just talk to their friends. We set up just satellite wellbeing groups that we called them, and it was our leadership team. We each had a group of teachers that we made contact with regularly, even though we were seeing teachers through meetings and we were, um, you know, through phone calls and emails and that sort of thing. But we had a particular group that we called our satellite well-being group that we made contact with throughout the whole process, um, just to touch base. They didn't have have to necessarily communicate back, but it was just open that if they were finding anything challenging, they could actually um, just touch base with us as well.
3: Melissa? I think actually working from home really was very beneficial for our teachers' wellbeing, you know, and then having those collaborative meetings online, That was a really supportive model to have there. In addition, we did a big staff survey to find out what was going well and what kind of support we could offer. And we had a me day recently where staff were told, don't come in, spend the day at home, do what you need to do to get yourself sorted out before we phase back in the face-to-face lessons. So I think that worked really well. We had a parents' evening via Teams and that did a lot of wellbeing for staff as well because it was just absolutely wonderful to connect with our parent community again, you know, because you can actually feel just so disconnected from them. So that was terrific. And then our principal, Mark, he does this absolutely fabulous weekly video for staff. So he always has wonderful wellbeing messages mm. and it's that kind of consistency and support and genuine praise that has really helped our team to move forward through this period. And we are exhausted, but at the same time, we feel, you know, like we haven't lost a chunk of the school year.
0: Fantastic. I'm just wondering if there was any initiatives that have been engaged over this period that may influence teaching and learning when you go back to school, when things normalise, whether it be a new normal or whatever it becomes, initiatives that have been undertaken that will probably be used in the new environment when you return back to school. Has has anybody got some uh, form of change that will happen as a result of this? Cathy?
1: Clearly, with the huge learning curve of technology, we've introduced things that, you know, in a normal school life would take two to five years to even get across the line, let alone Mm. to implement... So, one of the conversations we've begun having is how do we take what we've been doing in a digital space and apply that to a face to face space? You know, what are the things that we want to keep in place? What are the things that have potential in other ways? For us, in the primary years, we're in the throes of complete review of our reporting and portfolios with a view to having everything digital. And so short-circuited by several years all having to write all the papers and all the justifications for a system that we now have in place and so we already have a staff who's now familiar with it now we can have the fun of exploring and exploiting how we might use this in a different way to celebrate and demonstrate student learning in the future. So for us that's you know one of the, the big challenges that we'll look at Later, term three, term four, so that we can start to move on that for next year. You know, that's probably been a big plus out of it. There are other things that we'll look to capture, and what they are, I don't yet know because I want to draw that out of the staff. I want to see what it is that they have found of benefit. I did ask the students, ironically, in year four the other day, for some advice for our teachers. I said our teachers are starting to plan to come back to school. What are some of the things that you would advise them to think about. And it ranged from no screen time for two weeks (laughs) to several students talking about the way they've enjoyed the flexibility that's been in their learning day, that they could choose when in Mm -hmm. the day to do certain things and having time to do those. And so, you know, that whole notion of learner agency and what that means for us coming back. And then, of course, you add the children who've, at a, a wonderful time of not doing a whole lot <laughs> and so balancing that with what you need to bring back so that yin and yan of routine mm. versus flexibility so lots mm. of more rich conversations to come I'm sure
0: but I think that's an important message to have that there's further consultation with all stakeholders regarding what the developments may be in the future or what we take from the present to the future great message Melissa
3: You know, it is hard to know what you want to keep and move forward with. But I've been taking a weekly personal project lesson. And I think I'm going to maintain my Zoom lesson with my year 10. It's just worked so well. It's a much better forum than kind of an assembly as such it's better than trying to deliver the same lesson three times over it's been a great way to really use lots of different ideas to really support students through the personal project process so I think that's something I'm going to maintain Then there's the whole consideration of how to have their personal project exhibition online and how you could actually use that digital platform in a range of different subjects as well. So that will be something that I will definitely keep going Mm. on with. And in fact, I was just talking to a staff member today about wouldn't it be great to do personal project meetings with parents and students online through Mm. Microsoft Teams? So potentially, You know, there's a big chunk of stuff that we can take out of this experience and move forward, you know, in a really positive way that will have the best possible outcome for our students, which is fabulous.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Melanie?
2: It's probably very similar to Cathy, actually, because we do want to reflect on our time um, using our remote learning platform. and. We do also have a couple of questions that we're going to be using with staff, and that is, you know, what do we want to keep that we've put in place during this time? And some examples are, we've, we have discovered many online resources that we didn't know existed, and that's been fantastic. And, you know, we work really hard at school to create all these resources, and we're like, oh, hang on a minute, there's <laughs> some really great things out there as well that um, could be a more efficient way of doing things. I think just in terms of what we've discovered, it's been fantastic. The use of Google Docs for us, that's been that shared platform that we've put in place from Prep to Six, and that's certainly something that we've had a lot of really positive feedback from our teachers and our parents in regards to the way that we've been able to task up for students to complete, but not only that, for parents to kind of see what's going on, and that's Mm -hmm. something we've had feedback from our parents is that, you know, they would like more information, or more communication about know where their kids are up to how they're going how they're progressing and we're thinking that this could be a platform that we could utilize to actually communicate better to parents about the progress of their children as well and probably too we've had a lot of tools that we have used in the classroom that have actually suited being online and so we've been playing around with those and um the students have actually um, navigated their way through those tools quite effectively and um have kind of grasped that way of doing it so we're now thinking Hang on a minute, there's actually ways, you know, things that we were using mm. actually would suit an online way of doing that as well. Another thing too, we've kind of explored ways of keeping our instructional model in place during our online learning. But um, we've played around and um, created some really great clips for launches and also for focus groups as well. And, and thinking about, because not all kids could attend a live focus group or it was really quite physically hard to be able to do that. So we've created clips that can be put on our student online toolkit as well. So that's something that we've done to support the remote learning that we've been doing, but also then we're thinking we can actually continue doing that because Mm. it's great resources for students to access in the classroom.
0: Fantastic. I'm wondering uh, how teachers collaborate beyond the school. Have you heard of any instances of teachers within your school or are there opportunities that you're aware of where teachers collaborate not only within the school, but beyond the school to improve their teaching and learning or for welfare purposes or wellbeing purposes to access innovation that's out in the IB community. Kathy,
1: It's interesting the use of the word collaboration there. We've, we've certainly had teachers who've been very closely engaged with Twitter and Facebook and probably more so from a point of view of gathering useful resources and useful sites rather than actively contributing out. Mm. But that's certainly added another layer to the resources that we have, that when people have been actively looking for opportunities to find things to use. As a three-campus school, we are in a unique position where we can reach out across our campuses. Moving to a a seesaw platform as one college has enabled us to have a a library of uh, learning materials that are accessible to all our teachers across the college. So that's a worthwhile addition to being able to reach out and and find other areas to support. And of course, just reaching out to other teachers uh, is always an option across Mm. our campus.
3: So in that way, that's helped us. Melissa? I frequently tell our staff that we, as IB teachers, we're members of an international community mm. and it's such a great opportunity to collaborate and learn from teachers all over the world. And in Australia, we were quite late coming to the remote learning situation. So a lot of teachers in the Northern Hemisphere, mm. IB teachers who have been teaching teaching remotely for a good couple of months before it happened to us in Australia. The Mm -hmm. IB community there just were so creative in the professional development and the resources that they were prepared to share. I've been talking to people in Hong Kong about service and action outcomes. I was talking to someone in Hawaii about unit planning and stuff like that. Is it collaboration as such, kind of? Um, but it certainly is about sharing ideas within an international context, mm. and I think that's so important as part of the IB community.
0: Yeah, but moving in the right direction, towards collaboration maybe. <laughs> Melanie?
2: We do have a lot of teach meets, and um, we do regularly um, each term meet up as a cluster and different levels visit different schools, and it's just an opportunity for junior teachers to meet with other junior teachers from local schools and share a great practice and, and all of the great teaching that's happening at their schools, but also to learn from each other. And um, I know that staff do really appreciate those opportunities and that's something that we make a priority in our meeting schedules. Unfortunately, it just hasn't been able to happen this term, but um, if this sort of thing continues, then we may be needing to look at an online version of that. But one great session that we do have with all of our local PYP schools is we have an answers in the room and it's it's a great forum for teachers prior to the meeting to post wonderings and questions and things like that or how do you go about this or, you know, how do you teach a particular concept or whatever it is. And then we meet up and we actually do discuss those wondering and teachers do share things that they're doing. So we're fortunate in this little area and um, the PYP coordinators meet regularly so that we can look at ways that we can collaborate beyond ourselves as well. We encourage school visits. We love having teachers come and visit us and not necessarily to sit and talk to, you know, the leadership team or um, our specialist teachers, but to get into our classrooms as well and to provide opportunities, I guess, for other teachers to you know, to see what we're doing and ask students questions. But we learn from those visitors when they do come Mm -hmm. to us because they share their experiences and what, what it looks like for them in their context. And I think that's a great learning opportunity for our staff and then also encouraging school visits and getting our staff out there as well to learn from each other.
0: Fantastic. There's been some great discussions and fantastic points shared throughout the podcast any final tips for schools just to boost collaboration? I might start with you, Melanie.
2: I think to really value collaborative planning. I know that's something, we call it our hub. It normally happens for us in our conference room. I make sure that I don't ever miss a meeting. I love being in there, but I think it's just valuing that whole collaborative process. But at the same time, I think it's ensuring that everyone understands where you're heading, you know, your utopia or your north star or whatever it is that you, you call it. But um, it's really understanding the vision of where you're heading. And I think then it becomes a really exciting journey where it is a challenge and, you know, we've got problems to solve along the way, but how do we get there? What does it look like in practice in our classrooms? And that's the nuts and bolts of it. We can have, you know, great big ideas and big thinking, but at the end of the day, what does it look like? how are we going to get there? And I think everyone has a buy-in and everyone gets excited about that. But yeah, I think it's just valuing all of that and just having a really clear understanding of where you're headed.
3: Mm. Thanks, Melanie. Melissa? I would love to see all schools put a period zero on their timetable, okay? That is just about collaboration so that, you know, it's... Right there, you're not scrambling after school or to find a spare or something like that. It's something that you can really just nurture and celebrate. And then from that point, put some guidelines around collaboration as well. I think that's really important so that departments don't get that just to get together and suddenly it's not a collaboration, it's a faculty meeting. So I Mm. think those guidelines really useful and perhaps the inquiry action reflection is a really good model for that also creativity you know get your teams to really enjoy the process and do something a little bit crazy and then come back and share it so that that can become you know a pd for other faculties to try as well so that would be what i would love to see happen
0: thanks for that kathy
3: Melanie talked about
1: valuing the process and I think that's really important. Our teachers do know how to collaborate, they do it well, they've been doing it for a long time in many of our schools that are IB. Yes, you have to do some adapting according to the situation and the place and space and you have to read your staff, but I think it creates a wonderful opportunity to encourage them to think outside the box, to look for opportunities Melissa said that opportunity for creativity and innovation. You know, you can do anything in this space. Uh, You're not bound. Normalcy is gone. Take it as an opportunity to see where you can take it. And some of our our best learning from our students has come from those opportunities that they've had to really think differently and to do things that wouldn't normally be part of their day to day. So um, work with them, not against them. Encourage them to be risk takers because I think you'll be very surprised at what you achieve by doing that.
3: Mm.
0: Well, thank you very much. Can't thank you enough for the insights that you've shared. This is certainly going to be lapped up by schools around the world that are both in online learning situations and, and coming out of online learning situations as well. Thanks for listening. And I would like to thank our panel for joining us on this episode, Transition Back to School. Visit our website where you can subscribe to IB Voices so you'll never miss an episode. Stay tuned to our next episode.